Well, good morning, church. So good to have you with us again this morning as we uh, join you online. And if you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. So if you would just take a moment and email firsttime at salemheightschurch.org, one of our staff will connect with you and be happy to answer any questions you might have. You can also learn more about our church by visiting our website, salemheightschurch.org. Well, this has been an amazing summer uh, from, a, from a Salem perspective. We've had great weather, we've had hardly any bees, but this morning we're gonna celebrate something much greater than the weather, and that is our Lord and Savior. So we invite you now to join us as we worship Him. Alone in my sorrow, in dead in my sin, Lost without hope, no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested, my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was in a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace, so free, washes Death was arrested in my life. 
sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Father, we thank you that you would send your son to come and die for us, your creation, that he would become part of his creation for us, Lord, so that we could gain his righteousness and stand before you blameless. Father, we worship you for that. We bless you for that. We thank you that we can worship. We thank you that we can be a part of your family now. We pray that as we prepare to hear from your word, that you would guide our hearts and that you would guide our minds to hear from you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you again, and hopefully you've uh, had a chance to enjoy that worship, and now we're going to turn our attention to God's word. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Find the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1 is where we're going to be uh, this morning, and I'm here again with Pastor Justin, and uh, we had a couple of things we wanted to update the church on yeah. uh, before we started our message this morning. But uh, uh, one of them is an update about something that happened here recently inside the church that probably most people haven't heard about. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, it's been really super exciting here <laughs> at the church. Um, this last, it's been, is it two weeks now? Uh -huh. Yeah, two weeks ago, we actually had water fill the entire uh, auditorium basically the whole first floor here at the church, and uh, it was pretty exciting. We had a pipe break, a couple inches of water uh, that were everywhere, and so right now if you were to come into the church, uh, you would see uh, all of these fans and uh, holes in the wall. Uh, we are in the process of uh, figuring out how to repair all of that and get it ready to receive people when God allows us to be able to do church here once again, but that is one of the complications we have with being able to see people on site. Yeah, and so, so thankfully, yeah. um, we have, we're have we well into the process of trying things out and making those repairs. We're, um, it's been really great to work with some of these Carpets companies. look super clean. They do, Yeah, they do. And uh, we anticipate all that being put back together here relatively soon, and uh, Lord willing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it won't be a problem, but just another way of how God has gone before us and provided. Uh, something we weren't expecting, For sure. uh, but the fact that we aren't meeting together uh, allowed us to not have to panic when we discovered that anymore. When water is literally cascading <laughs> out of all the doors right. when you show up on campus. Right, yeah. right. Uh, the, the second thing is um, we want to continue to encourage families to be uh, meeting together. Uh, we know that even this last week, the governor came out with some, some improved uh, new guidance and trying to continue to 
uh, keep people safe. But uh, one of the things we're asking folks to do is if they are meeting, uh, we were trying to kind of put together a list of who in our church is meeting together yeah. um, just to kind of get an idea of how we're doing in that area. So if, if you are one of those folks who is meeting with another family, would you uh, take a, a minute just to let us know here at the church? You can email me, Pete, at SalemHeightsChurch.org. Uh, let us know um, that you're meeting with another family here at the church. Uh, but we're also hoping to expand that a little bit. Maybe you can tell yeah. something about that. Yeah, we're praying that right now in this season, uh, we'll see God raise up 100 leaders that would be willing to reach three to four families each. Uh, we want to not only continue in discipleship, but to see God uh, use families in our church that are dedicated to him that want to impact not only uh, fellow believers but their neighborhood and so we're asking that if uh, uh, you are currently in discipleship you've been a part of leading in any capacity that uh, they would get a hold of you and say hey the lord's laid this on my heart i'd like to be a part of that uh, that answer and we're going to be gathering with those folks uh, if you're leading other families in your home or you just want to be a part of that answer We'll be meeting with them through uh, Zoom calls and, and others to try and do training to make sure that they're well suited to be able to lead in a home church. And then when we finally are back together, to lead in some capacity in the next stage of yeah. what God brings us through. I've been thankful there have been several folks who have reached out to, yeah. to both of us just saying, hey, we're meeting. If you're looking for a place for more people to come, we'd be uh, more than willing to yeah. accept them in. So thank you to those who've done that. Um, but we are looking for more folks who'd be willing to step up. And we know that could be a little bit uh, scary. Yeah. And so we want them to just let us know, and we will come alongside them to help. And, and right now we're just looking to build a list. Again, our goal is 100 names yeah. of men who'd be willing to help us with this. Uh, and we'll get together and just start praying. And right yeah. now we've got about 50 names yeah. that yeah. Uh, yeah, potentially have said, hey, we'll, we'll do this. Yeah. So that's exciting. The last thing we wanted to just touch on is give a quick update about our first fire pit gathering that happened yeah. uh, last week. Um, great turnout, a great night. Amazing. And, uh, we're hoping to do that again. Tell us a little bit about how the night went and when we will have the next one. We were super successful. Nobody had any singed eyebrows uh, <laughs> or loss of hair while we were there. Uh, we had a, an amazing time uh, worshiping together, uh, being able to reflect on what God has done in, a, in our midst, um, mm -hmm. in many situations in secret because we've been uh, in separate locations. So we got to just praise God for what he's been doing in our life during this season. Uh, we got to share scripture together uh, and then to kind of set our sails for, um, you know, what we're going to be praying about and those kind of things. So it was a really exciting uh, time. And we're, we're praying it's going to be this upcoming Wednesday. Once again, we're going to do uh, another fire pit night. We did have to shut down registration last time early. We're trying to expand that. Uh, so we're going to really ask people to sign up early yeah. and uh, we're going to try to expand our, our offering to include more people. Yeah. So if you want to join us this Wednesday, go online right after this message uh, or even pause the message and come back yeah. uh, and go register for that event online through this, the church website and let us know. That allows us to make sure that we have all our safety protocols in place yeah. and uh, also communicate to you what you can expect if you haven't been before. Well, we are in our series, uh, this series on prayer yeah. and looking at these prayers that were offered by people in Scripture who were in the midst of what we're calling fracture. Yeah. They were in the midst of something that had either happened to them or was happening around them. And we want to highlight these prayers because they really do give us great direction for yeah. how we should live. And this morning we're going to be looking at a woman named Hannah. And we find uh, her story here 
in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And so I'm going to read our, our text this morning. We're going to read the first 20 verses of this chapter, and then we're going to talk about what we can learn yeah. from Hannah and her prayer. It says here in verse 1, There was a man from Ramathim, Zophim, in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeraham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The first was named Hannah, and the second was Panah. Panah had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. Whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of meat to his wife Panah and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely, just to provoke her, because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah would ask. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? On one occasion, Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I have been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request you have made of him. May your, may your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. And after some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. Yeah. Now, Pastor Justin, we just, again, we, we read a big chunk, but the context is important to kind of just see what was going on here. Yeah. But when, when you kind of first read through this, and as you think about this, having taught on this a couple of times yourself, what are some of the first things that kind of jump out to you from this story? Well, and, and even the context coming into 1 Samuel is coming out of the book of Judges, where the phrase that comes up over and over and over again, it's really relevant to our situation right now, is the phrase, and each man did what was right in his yeah. own eyes. And the world was in turmoil, but everyone was absolutely convinced that their way was the right way. That's just our world mm -hmm. that we're in today. That's one of the reasons we were looking at this passage. What, how, how can the situation change? And can prayer change, or can one person make a difference? This passage answers all those questions. Mm -hmm. But each man's doing what was right in his own eyes. The priests were horrible. It actually gives you these names, and they become famous for all of the ridiculousness in Israel. Hophni and Phinehas. So it says, she goes to worship. They went to this location. Eli's there, and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. 
Well, as soon as you hear those names, those names become infamous in Israel as two wicked men, right, right. doing everything they can to, to please themselves and reject God's best. Mm -hmm. So how do you even worship God in a time when the, the people who are helping you worship God will not follow him? Mm -hmm. She's in the most troubling situation. Um, everyone's doing what's right in his own eyes, and there's no place to turn. Yeah. So, yeah, an important scenario. Right. And so Hannah is this woman who, uh, some of the words that she uses to describe herself is that she is in anguish. Yeah. Uh, she has this resentment or this deep pain um, from years of not being able to bear children. Yeah. And she, there, she's in a, in, a, in a relationship where her husband has another wife and this other woman uh, is able to have many kids and yeah. is taunting her. And so you see this woman who is at her end. She yeah. doesn't know what else to do. And this has been going on for a while. Yeah. And so there are some things that we've noticed here in the text that we wanted to kind of highlight. Uh, four kind of observations that we see from this first part yeah. of 1 Samuel. Um, and then we're going to look at a little bit of chapter 2. Um, maybe give us the first one. Yeah. So the first thing that we see in this passage is Hannah's trial. Mm -hmm. And what we had highlighted there is that sometimes God's ideal seems out of reach. Here you have a woman that is in a polygamous marriage. One of the things that we were, that multiple people have noted, well, um, you know, this is just listed as a norm in mm -hmm. the Old Testament. And some people who are, uh, come up against Christianity say, well, don't you guys just pick and choose? Didn't it used to be okay to be polygamous? And now you realize, well, that's just not productive. So you've dropped it and you choose to be uh, in, you know, monogamous relationships. Um, but if you learn how to read a text, every time you read this narrative, if it says a man has two wives, uh, you read the rest that everybody is miserable in that yeah. scenario. Every single time, they're just miserable. So as soon as you read, here's Elkanah, he has two wives, and he's going to a place where Hophni and Phinehas are running it. There's literally no place comfortable for him either. So she's miserable, and she's in this place. Her trial is that she wants a child. She wants to participate in peopling the land because all of the promises made to Israel came through the land. And so she's hoping, I just want to be a part of what God says, if I bless you, I'm going to give you children right. so your name will remain in the land. And she's, I don't get to participate. So her heart is broken. Yeah. Culturally, this was a big deal for women. Yeah. Uh, children represented security, um, the ability to have someone that was going to take care of you yeah. as you got older. They were actually a, a status symbol. Yeah. They were, that the significance of a woman was in how many kids that she was able to have. And so yeah. for many years, not only is she in this marriage situation, this polygamous marriage that's causing her heartache, yeah. but she's constantly reminded, even in her own home, that she is not able yeah. to have children. And so she's now having to deal with how the culture looks at her. Yeah. Um, I, I think for us today, there are other things that can kind of make us feel oppressed by our culture. I, I think... I think that's one of the things that we were highlighting is we get so offended when we hear, well, you didn't have enough kids, so that's just the sign that that was a, a terrible culture. But in this passage, we actually see uh, women in their culture saying, you need to do this, or, or she, literally the woman in her home is called an adversary, but she has an ideal for her, says you need to live up to this. And her husband, the men in the culture, have an ideal. So both the men and women in that culture highlight it, but it's the same ideals we have now. And that is you need to live up to my beauty standard or the things that you have or whatever it is. 
she's actually being told you have to have this in order to be happy and Panenna is actually looking at her saying you don't measure up but we do the same thing I mean um, you want to find out if you fit in just go down to the health club out there and eat a Twinkie right mm. outside the doors, right? See if somebody doesn't look at you with disdain. Right. Our culture is focused on other things that we call freedoms right, right now. Our culture is so much more free, and there are some benefits to not having those cultural norms that they did. Yeah. But we have cultural norms now that are just as offensive and just as harrowing to women uh, in these days as they are also for men. Totally. And I think there's inside of each of us a desire to be accepted. Yeah. And cultural approval matters to a lot of yeah. us and it can be a distraction yeah um, but we can whether it's our looks our accomplishments our credentials yeah. our, the things that we have success um, there are certain cultural expectations or cultural definitions of this is what it looks like to be successful yeah. this is what it looks like to be attractive this is what it looks like to be respected or yeah. someone that has anything to say and if we don't feel like we're meeting up it can it can really feel like man we're just not really worth anything yeah. And so we see Hannah here. She is struggling with the fact that uh, she's in this polygamous marriage. She doesn't have any kids. And she's really, really at her wit's end. Uh, you had a story you were telling me that actually I thought was pretty funny uh, from yeah. uh, that Max Lucado used in one of his yeah, books. Yeah, a long time ago. I just didn't remember it when you and I were talking yeah. about Chippy and his bad day. But it's about <laughs> parakeet. And the, the woman of the house is um, just talking on the phone and vacuuming and trying to vacuum out the cage and then she's talking and gets caught up in the discussion and all of a sudden it's a she notices that she sucked Chippy into the vacuum cleaner. Right. So she shuts the phone off really quick, rips you know the vacuum apart and inside is Chippy inside the you know receptacle, pulls him out, he's all covered in dust. He's looking really nasty and so she runs to the sink and just hoses him off. So now he's been sucked into a vacuum and the next thing he's under water and he's looking horrible right and so she gets her hair dryer trying to make sure he would stay dry and uh blow dries him and so he's sitting there all puffed up and a reporter was actually doing the news article on it and called a couple of days later said man this story is hilarious you know they were just doing it as a color piece but uh he asked so how's chippy and he goes well chippy doesn't sing anymore he just sits on his perch and stares right you know uh but the thing that really I think kind of resonated with me is how many people right now feel like Chippy. You're just going along in life and one thing happens and it's crazy and you try to fix it. Our whole culture is trying to fix a problem, right? Whether it's COVID or political issues or the financial woes. So we try to fix this and something else happens. We try to fix that and something else happens. And the next thing, we're all just sitting here overwhelmed and wrecked. Yeah. And all we're trying to do is just deal with an initial wreck that happens six months ago we, we didn't see it coming. And like Hannah, yeah. and like a lot of us, we can get discouraged and maybe come to the end of ourselves because we've tried every human means yeah. possible to fix our situation. And oftentimes we go, I've tried everything and nothing has worked. But yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a statement though that's made in verse nine that you and I were talking about because yeah. it's, it's quite significant and we don't necessarily pick it up just reading it out of the English translations, but yeah. in the Hebrew it really, is significant and it says here in verse 9 on one occasion Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh pretty just pretty plain yeah and maybe just it sounds like oh she got up from after eating a meal but there's actually more significance here yeah. what is it saying well if we were to flip that around and say in our uh, you know language an idiom would be put her foot down so if we read that instead and say on one occasion Hannah put her foot down 
we would read now instantly some intensity yeah. to that moment. That's how you're supposed to read this moment. So she's been told by the women in the household, this is what you need to do for status and for acceptance. She's been told by her husband, no, my love should be enough. And in both of those, she could see a draw to them, but neither of them were satisfying. And finally she said, I'm done with this. And she puts her foot down or she stood up means literally I am no longer trying to find satisfaction in any of the cultural opinions. Mm -hmm. I got to go to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And she puts her foot down and that takes us actually to the very next uh, stage in her development. So she goes to um, the, the temple and she prays. Yeah. And we see this interaction here between her and Eli. And, and she makes this prayer and she makes a promise to God, asking God to give her a child. And if God were to answer her prayer, yeah. she would give that child back to serving the Lord. Yeah. And so we have that, that reading, and so she makes this request, and then there's another significant statement made here in verse 18. Um, Eli has just told her to go in peace, and yeah. may the God of Israel grant the request you have made of him. And this is what Hannah says, May your servant five favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. Yeah. Now this is significant because... Yeah. God hasn't given an answer so far. God mm -hmm. hasn't delivered yeah. on that request. But yet she's gone away now completely different than how she came. Absolutely. What does that tell us about her? Yeah, and, and before we get there, yeah. let me make one more comment about the first one in Hannah's trial. Yeah. We, we said there that sometimes God's ideal seems out of reach. You and I talk with folks all the time who are maybe wanting to be married and they haven't found a spouse or maybe wanting a child mm -hmm. and they haven't had a child or they've been working really hard and their work ethic is impeccable but they have not achieved anything in business. There's ideals where God, when he sets everything in place in the book of Genesis at the beginning, actually says it's not good for the man to be alone. Right. He identifies marriage as his plan and children as a blessing to that plan. Yeah. He identifies work as something that is worthy. So these are his ideals. Mm. He says these are good. And if God says those are good, she's not reaching out after something that's been manufactured secondarily. Right. She's saying, God, you actually told me these things are good and my heart is aching and literally I'm overwhelmed. But I think what I would say, especially to somebody who today is saying, I'm, I'm feeling desperate and I'm a little embarrassed that I'm so desperate. What you need to know is that God actually can understand that. We don't see any time in here where she is told, how ridiculous, just be settled and, and don't think about these ideals that God's put in scripture. Mm. We... we we see a comfort that happens to her. Yeah. And she's just saying, Lord, I need you to take this. So her trial is, I see an ideal that's in scripture, and Lord, I want to live up to that ideal. The second thing we see, though, is her triumph. Right away, she has a triumph, and she is successful in saying, Lord, if this is you that's authored it, you'll take care of it. And she lays it at his feet. And uh, what we've said is that we can trust, uh, we can trust God with a desire that he authors. Mm. He actually has put the desire in our heart, and if it's a healthy one, he said, I'll, I'll take care of it. Yeah, I can fulfill that the way that I desire to fulfill that in a way that will be the greatest blessing to you. Trust me. So the triumph, I mean, is not the fact that God answered her prayer. The yeah. triumph is that she got to the point where she just trusted God. Yeah, that's it's a super important Laid process. it at his feet and walked away different, trusting yeah. God that whether he answered or didn't, that she had a newfound peace. Yeah. Our orientation has to be toward the Lord. I, I was reading an article uh, called The Mother Who Was a Coward. It's from Christianity Today, 1976. Right. And 
um, basically it's a kind of a tale that's told. They were trying to construct it around the idea of not being a coward uh, in, in light of God's kingdom. But it talks about a mom uh, who went out of her house and was asked to teach Sunday school. She says, no, I don't want to mess anything up. I'm not really gifted as a teacher. I think I might fail and I might not be a blessing to those kids. And then her church said, well, everyone in your community really appreciates you. Would you be part of our outreach to your community? She said, no, no, I don't want to offend anybody by standing. I don't want to be a busybody or out there. I don't want to take a chance in that area. And then somebody had come to her and said, hey, your, your son is running with a crowd that's really unsavory. That's a dangerous crowd. And she says, well, I don't want to say anything to him and, and offend him. And then they said, well, your daughter's sneaking out to like three in the morning and she's, she's unsafe. And she said, oh, I don't want to, once again, I don't want to hurt our relationship. Well, your husband is bringing home money that we know he didn't make. And you, don't, you should confront that because you take that the whole community is going to be frustrated. Well, I don't want to offend him or actually I don't want to get rid of the things that we have. So mm -hmm. I don't want to bring this up and not deal with it. And finally, the last scene is her passing away and she's in heaven before God. And she's saying, I, I didn't, um, you know, I, I strove as hard as I could not to offend anyone. And she's standing before God and he says, yeah, but you've offended me. Mm -hmm. If you had instead thought about my ideal, your daughter uh, would not have ended up wrecked. Your son wouldn't have been dead because of the relationships. You wouldn't have gone bankrupt because of your husband's double dealing. You wouldn't have ended all of these things if you just would have trusted me instead of your opinion. It's a harsh tale right. that's told there, but the whole idea is if we would just say, God, uh, instead of listening to the culture or my own heart, my own desire to not fit in, or to fit in and not be offensive, if I would just listen to you instead, every other thing flows out of submitting to you. Mm. Well, Hannah gets that right, right here. Mm -hmm. She, instead of listening to Penina and all of the mocking, or even her husband and the wooing that he gives, no, I, that won't ultimately be satisfactory. Lord, I gotta give this to you, you take it. And she literally lays it down, and after she's prayed, she gets up and she's like, that's it. Mm -hmm. And she's so rested, she eats, which is a sign, another idiom there that says, I'm rejoicing. I'm at peace. Perfect peace was I could eat and settle down with my situation, and I walk away blessed. And she was blessed by leaving it at the Lord's feet. Yeah, I was uh, in study for this message. It was doing some, listening to some other sermons. Yeah. And uh, one of the preachers I listened to, Tim Keller, had preached on this text, and he had talked about kind of a shift yeah. that had happened maybe in Hannah. This so not important. being a new prayer, but that now it maybe was a prayer from, Lord, give me a child yeah. so that I can not feel the oppression from the culture, that yeah. I could please my husband. And it changed from, Lord, let me have a child for you that yeah. can be for you. Just let me be a part of your grand plan. Yeah. And we, I think that is what we see here because not only does she make a promise that she would give the child back, but how she walks away. She goes from being praying to God in her anguish and resentment, but then walks away having eaten something and no longer looking despondent. For her to yeah. eat again was a signal culturally that she was at peace. Something had yeah. changed inside of her. And I think the really important thing, and I, I think Keller points this out, yeah. is uh, that it's not a bargain that she's made. She yeah. hasn't gone to the Lord and said, Lord, if you'll give me this, then I'll be happy. Right. She actually says, Lord, I'm despondent. I'm going to put this at your feet. I'm at peace no matter what you decide. Exactly. I'm at peace. And then she gets that. So if it's a bargain that's happened, she prays, 
she waits for it, she gets the thing that she so desires, and then she's at peace. That's a bargain. But if it's actually the, this godly process, she prays, has complete peace, and then God provides that as a blessing to a person who is at peace saying, Lord, you're in control. Yeah. And that's what we see in this scenario. So yeah. yeah, if I order something from Amazon, the bargain I've made is I've paid some money, so I buy it and I wait and I watch the little tracking thing and you know, they always say they drop it off when they haven't, you know, <laughs> to put their numbers up there, but uh, I'm waiting by the door. But once I receive it, I rejoice over that and then I have peace because I've made a bargain with them. I've paid money, I wanna see that in my hands. She's not bargaining with God. She's actually just saying, Lord, I wanna be a part of this, but I can no longer live up to these ideals. Mm -hmm. I give it to you and she walked away full. That's a triumph. It is, and I, I think it's so important for us to remember that the angst that we feel is not being ridiculed here. No. And God, again, we can trust him with the desire that he authors, and there can be this kind of internal struggle. Yeah. But I do think we need to consider how we've been approaching God in this season with yeah. our problems and with our struggles. Yeah. And have our requests that we've been making to God been for God to answer our prayers so that our life gets comfortable or things go back to the way they were? Yeah. Or are we looking at this as God has been in control the entire time, that everything that is is his, including yeah. me, and God, I'm praying that you would do what you'd have, uh, that you would use me how you want to use me, that God, that you would, I'm giving you this request because this is, I think, a good request, a good request that you put inside of me, but God, ultimately, I'm going to trust you so, more so than just put my trust in the answer. Yeah. Because I want you to be honored. Yeah. 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 That's and so good. we see here her trial and then we see her triumph. But the next thing that we see in this text is the test because God yeah. blesses her with a child who yeah. she names Samuel and she then has a test. Yeah. Will she actually follow through yeah. on what the Lord has called her to? Yeah. What does she do? Verse 21, it says, when Elkanah and his household went up to make annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explained to her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband, Elkanah, replied, do what you think is best and stay here until you have weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until he was weaned. And when she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as three, a three-year-old bull, half a bushel of flour, and a clay jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh, and when they slaughtered the bull and brought it, the boy to Eli. Please, my Lord, she said, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he worshiped the Lord there. Yeah, that's an incredible statement. And, and listen even to Elkanah. He says, uh, when all of his household went up there, she says, no, I can't go up at this time. And her husband says, well, do what you think is best. Only may the Lord confirm your word. Well, I really hope you know what you're doing because you've given our son away and you've been despondent for all these years. Are you sure this is right? But he said, all right, let's pray that the Lord uh, confirms it. And in fact, he does. In fact, all of Israel's history changes from the time of the judges to the time of the kings. Mm. On th this little hinge point moment, Samuel comes from this woman's prayer. So does he confirm his word? Yeah, this is a dramatic shift that happens in all of Israel 
on the backs of this little three-year-old boy is what the implication is from mm -hmm. that three-year-old bull. He's just young, and I drop him off, and uh, she keeps her word. Mm. I'm going to give him to you. You know, our godliness is often revealed in how we handle both adversity yeah. and blessing. Yeah. And sometimes uh, it's through the challenges of life and our dependence upon God through a trial that's harmful or hurting that really reveals how much we trust Him. Yeah. But there are also times where God answers a prayer or blesses us in a certain way, but it still provides an opportunity to test our faith yeah. in Him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Like in Deuteronomy, uh, Isaiah, we talked about yeah. Jeremiah. There's different moments where God actually says, I'm going to give you blessing in order to test you. I'm going to see what you're going to do yeah. with this if you're faithful to me. Well, she gets blessed with the greatest reward her soul has been craving, this child. And she had promised the Lord, you do this, I'll do that. I really want to give him to you. And she proves that her heart was true. That really was a, a genuine request gives him back to the Lord, and she is rewarded with not only the blessing of that child, but seeing him every year, watching him grow in uh, not just stature, but in prominence. Mm. Yeah. And so th one of the questions that we kind of talked about yeah. is, you know, how do we respond when God answers yes? Yeah. What, what do we do with God's blessing? What do we do when we ask the Lord for something, he gives it to us? Yeah. Maybe there's been a, a, a commitment made. God, if you will do this for yeah. me, I will do this. How do we do in that? Are we faithful to fulfilling that? Or yeah. is it maybe we go, well, I'll get to that later. Yeah, well, and I think the other thing, you had a story that I thought was really helpful yeah. on here about somebody who at first was li living life up, doing really well, yeah. and then goes through some hardship but has a prayer and, and has just an epiphany yeah. after she now sees God's blessing in her life as a result of prayer. But yeah, share yeah. with us that story. So many of you guys know the story of Catherine Wolf. Uh, she was a mom who had just had her first child. Um, she was, um, they had moved her, her and her husband and, and their new little one had moved to the West Coast for her husband to go to law school. I mean, they are the quintessential American couple. Things yeah. are going well. They're well off, they're sophisticated and she suffers a massive stroke. Uh, her condition was so grave that most doctors probably wouldn't even have attempted to try to save her life. Yeah. And yet uh, this doctor chose to do that and she has survived. And now her and her husband, Jay, have this, this ministry, uh, this worldwide, really. She's written two books on just suffering and how, what God has taught her through this and in talking yeah. about Christ, how Christ has sustained it. But she's learned so much through the suffering. In her last book, Suffering Strong, she has a chapter on open hands. Yeah. And she would say, Catherine would say, that uh, before this all happened, she was the kind of person that liked to have a control and be organized. She didn't like surprises. Yeah. And yet through this, what she realizes is that God has a hard time filling closed fists. Yeah. But that yeah. if we will open our hands to the Lord, we prepare you. ourselves for him to fill us up. And so when we think, God, if I give this up, there's, there's going to be nothing left. And she's like, she is just sensed in her spirit as she has had those prayers herself. God, you've made me give, get rid of my health. I can't walk and do things like I used to do. Uh, you've, you've caused lots of things to change, and I've gone through a lot of pain through physical therapy and yeah. regaining some of my motor skills. She has learned that through that pain, God has actually given her so much more fulfillment yeah. in life. And she's heard him say, there's much more if you will just open your hands. Yeah. And I just thought it was such an important thing because that's the test for all of us. God has given yeah. many of us, even through this season, he's continued to provide for our needs financially. He's given many of us good health. He's even allowed some of yeah. us to get COVID and, and walk through it okay. 
And yet we can just like, oh, I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. But if we will trust him yeah. and be faithful, God has always been faithful to continue to fill us up. Yeah, that's significant. Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing we see here is uh, we've seen that we've seen that she went through a trial and we've seen how she's triumphed and we've seen how, how she's handled this test. But the last thing we see is her testimony. Yeah. And in First Samuel chapter 2, it actually records another prayer from Hannah. Now, there, it's, it's again another 10 or 11 verses. We're not going to read all of those right now. But what's interesting about this yeah. um, is that as Hannah prays this prayer in her triumph, this prayer really isn't about Samuel. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about chapter two. Yeah, in fact, I was asking you, so what's significant about Hannah's prayer? I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's a, I'm thanking God for Samuel. Yeah. And most of the folks that we're interacting with, I'm like, well, what do you think about this prayer? Yeah. We are assuming, and, and just being American males, uh, it looks like poetry, so I'm going to jump to the next relevant part, <laughs> right, of this. I'm going to jump back down to where the story picks up. Yeah. But in fact, she prays here uh, 10 verses long and doesn't say anything about Samuel. In fact, she starts beginning to, to shout out, my heart rejoices in the Lord. I'm praising God, my Redeemer. Uh, he takes those that are high and brings them down. He takes the impoverished and he lifts them up. If you don't have children, he'll give them. If you don't have land or hope, he's going to give you hope and land and food. He's a God that raises up the oppressed. But also he, he pulls down those that are uh, lifted high. And it's not the idea that he wants to ruin those that are up high, but he is taking each person and removing from them the things that get in the way of really experiencing him. Mm. So if my riches are gonna get in the way of me trusting God because I'm trusting riches, I'm, I'm gonna pull that away. If being impoverished causes me to be despondent and frustrated, well, I'm gonna lift you up so that you'll stop worrying about that and start looking to me. She says he does this for everyone. Mm. He's a great God. And then she wraps up and says, and the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He'll give power to his king. He'll lift up the horn of his anointed. Well, you just read that and read the story and we forget where we're at. That doesn't seem that significant. But there hasn't been a king. Mm. 500 years. What is she praying about? And in fact, she dies before anybody is anointed king. It's years later, after she is already gone, that Samuel finally uh, is rejected and a king is established in Israel. She's actually saying, I see a king. Many commentators see this as uh, that she is looking forward to the king, David. And then it says, and he will lift up the horn of his anointed, the Messiah. I see David and I see the Messiah. I see things happening in the future that only God can do. Mm. How did she get a, a hold of that vision? Because I laid down me and I just started looking to the Lord. Mm. Yeah, You were telling huge. me... Uh, you, when we were talking about this, you, you were kind of describing this uh, using the illustration of teaching yeah. uh, a teenager how to drive on a windy road. Yeah. And how there's so, uh, something that they have to focus on in order to be able to do that correctly and safely. Yeah. Or even navigate on a hillside that's filled with brush. Uh, when you see stuff in the, the near view that is hard for you to be able to navigate or it seems like it's choppy. If you just allow somebody to look off the front bumper of the car and they're trying to figure out how to get around a corner, you'll notice the car is really jerky because I'm trying to keep it the nose in between the lines, but the corners aren't always perfectly round. You might go through S-curves and so I'm getting sloppy down there. But what we always tell somebody is instead of just looking at the nose of the car, look down the road. When you're looking down the road, it smooths out the ride. If you get lost, you find a point that everyone can see in the distance and then even if you're having trouble 
with your navigation on the near field, all the brush is, is tall or whatever, but you see that mountain in the distance, you start going that direction. Mm. And what God did for her is her situation was dire, but she looks to the Lord and he picks her up and he says, do you want to know something? I've actually made you a part of a much bigger story. Look in the distance. And she's able to see in the future, it's not just about me, but my son is going to anoint a king who will be attached to all of the salvation of the world, mm. David. And, in, and the Messiah is going to come as a result of the blessing that he gives. She sees this great mountain of experience of the salvation plan. She gets lifted up and she's telling a story that she can't even comprehend. She mm. doesn't even see it fulfilled in her lifetime. But God says, you're a part of a much bigger story. And it took a trial to carve away the garbage of the world and help her be able to see God's plan. So the moment that she rejected having her foundation be in the opinion of the yeah. culture or letting her foundation be how her husband viewed her, yeah. her family viewed her, yeah. she said, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to put my foot down. Something's got to change, and I'm going to only care about how God sees me yeah. and what he has for me. And in doing so, keeping her focus on Christ, yeah. she's able to not only see this request be answered, but she now understands a little bit more what it means to walk with yeah. God. She's praising God because literally her desperation led her to see God's plan more clearly. Mm. That's the, the, the blessing in the trial. Yeah. So this story is an impactful story because it, it, it's something that I think can hit close to home, whether or not this, this is your predicament where you are wanting children yeah. and aren't able to have them. What we're seeing here is there's a desire that's placed inside you, a desire that is a good desire from the Lord, and yet yeah. you haven't fulfilled it or hasn't been achieved or accomplished, and you might feel fractured or broken. Yeah. Hannah provides uh, an a example yeah. Yeah, for how we should approach that. Well, and in our world, God says, hey, I want, uh, when I provide perfect peace, I'm going to give you peace with your neighbors. I'm going to give you peace with uh, the nations that surround you. I'm going to give you prosperity so you're not begging for bread. Uh, your family's going to be settled. So these are all things God says, when, when I am in your midst and you're all chasing after me, I provide these things. So you may be hungry for peace, a sense of settledness, uh, having enough, being having provision. We're, we're maybe craving things, and that may be in the near future something that we lose sight of. Sure. So what he, he's saying is, if you just want stuff, though, to fill you up or to return to normal, that's not the prayer. The prayer is, will you say, Lord, I want, I want to put you on display and your provision on display. I want to be a part of your kingdom answers. That's the heart that gets blessed here. Yeah. And so I, having that view. Yeah, and that freedom is really what I think she's experiencing there. Yeah. Is the freedom of knowing that I can trust God yeah. with the outcome. And I think that's going to be something we have to do more than once. Yeah. I don't think this passage is a recipe no. or a formula. If you do this, you'll never fret. That ache is going to go away. Yeah. But this is how we are able to live, not despondent, but hopeful, yeah. uh, is if we focus on Christ. Uh, I was sharing with you the definition of a shadow, and it's literally when an object gets in the way of the rays of light and you, or the rays of light and the ground, you see a dark shadow. So there's an object that's in between there. Sometimes it's an idol, sometimes it's our own desire, sometimes it's the opinions of the world, but there's something that gets in between you and God, and there's a dark shadow in our life. Yeah. This prayer is, Lord, will you remove the shadow so I see you clearly? Yeah. And that's what our heart's prayer should be is, Lord, I just want your blessing, your favor. I want to see you clearly. Will you help me to rejoice in it while I'm alive? 
uh, so I can put your name on display. Remove the shadow. And that's what she sees happen. Yeah, and so we were talking and said, is it okay to be aching? Is it okay to, ha yes, it's okay. Yeah. But inspect your heart today and ask, Lord, what is it in my life that is shadowing me from seeing you yeah. in the right way? Uh, we have a couple questions yeah. that we want because we want people to be talking about this and, and, and bringing, it home, bringing it home Yeah. to their personal kind of life and perspective. And so uh, why don't you share those questions with us? Yeah, so with the, the families that are around, we're asking people to describe a situation in your experience that reminds you of Hannah. It can be in your experience, like your personal moment that was like Hannah, or it can be you've experienced a friend or a family member that was going through something similar and you saw their life unfold like Hannah's did. So describe that scenario and what God did. Yeah. So yeah. the second question following up to that is, why do you think it is so hard to take our requests to God and then let go? Mm. Why is it so hard to just leave the request and walk away full? Yeah. Um, and that's an important question to be able to handle. Yeah, and then each week we want people to pray. And then this week, once again, just like we did before, we want you to pause at the end of that prayer and register, how do I feel as a result of praying? Yeah. What has just happened in your heart? After you pray, what, did, what kind of uh, response sure. did God give you? I think the overarching hope for this series is that each week we're looking at people who have come to the end of themselves yeah. and have throwing up their hands and say, only God yeah. can help me in this situation. And the reality is we need to get to that conclusion a lot sooner than we often do. It's the truth. Yeah. And so hopefully this week is another opportunity to be reminded that there is power in prayer, yeah. that God hears us, and he's, he, he wants to respond yeah. to the things we ask him. Pastor Jesse, would you wrap us up in prayer this yeah. morning? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we come before you and we do ask that you would fill us with faith, that you would cause us to be able to, first of all, see what it is that is actually good, align our heart with yours, cause our desires to be your desires, our wants to be your wants. We pray that you would help us to be able to see the world around us differently. Uh, instead of drinking in their opinions and wanting to fit in with the culture, Father, set us free from that and help us to be only satisfied with what you desire and what would put you on display. Father, we do ask that you'd help us to be able to bring our concerns, our desires, our deep longing. It says here that Hannah was in anguish for her soul. It's the idea uh, that she's just wrecked mm -hmm. unless you answer. Father, there are some in our congregation right now that feel like they're being wrecked because things in their life are overwhelming and they do not know how to fix them. Give us the ability to gather our thoughts, to rightly orient them so that we see your way and your thought and give us the ability to lay those at your feet and say, Father, answer this in the way that will best bring you glory. We commit that we want to give our life and all of the solution to you. Father, we ask that you'd enable us to be able to lay our burdens down and walk away, not going back to touch them, trusting you to take care of the next stage. We give this to you, and we ask that you would guide us and give us peace in Christ's name.